DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. We're joined now by the radio voice of the Utah Jazz, David Locke. He's on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Lease any handset and get an iPad for $99.99. Visit the local Sprint store near you. David, good morning. Good morning, my friend. How are you? We are doing well. The Jazz. How's my other buddy, PK? What's up, baby? Uh, you know, I've had better days, but this is okay, I guess. How come? <laughs> Just trying to get your voice to break, and it almost worked. No, I am in a. I I I wasn't uh, before the season. I wasn't in a great mock mood, but now I'm in a great moodier. You're you're the best. Seriously, there's just nobody who's ever better than you. I mean, you are like on the backside of your career, definitely trending down, and to still be able to play at that level is impressive. <laughs> I've always been on the backside. <laughs> All right, let's start with Moutier right there. Uh, we know that uh, guys have good ga- games and bad games. They have horrible games and great games. They also have a bunch of average games. Which one was that that he just had? I mean, he was really good. Uh, maybe most importantly, and uh, credit to Ben Gowsett of uh, Forbes, who I think had this out there, so I don't want to steal someone else's information. I think the Jazz played, and I just talked about Unlocked on Jazz, so I've stole it twice. Um, the Jazz played, I think, about 20% of their possessions in transition when Moutier was on the floor the other night. So, um, you know, that's an area where the Jazz are trying to make considerable improvement is playing off of misses with force and with pace. They were, I believe, 18th in the league off after misses last year offensively, 10th in the league on half-court sets after makes, and if they can get better on misses, that's the area where the offense get better, particularly some of the guys. Boyan Bogdanovich played 20% of his possessions last year um, in transition, and so I think that's somewhere where he has success if he's going to have a good year for the jazz he needs to have those possessed early transition threes and and get those opportunities um and then it also just makes your offense better particularly second unit i think is uh important to be able to run so moody got out he ran he used his powerful body he doesn't have a great deal of wiggle he's actually not an elite athlete in the sense that like getting up his weakness in his career has been finishing at the rim he finished the other night so that's nice his mid-range jumper um, which he has a tendency to take more than analytics people would like, is something that's gotten a lot better over uh, the last two years. Um, he's, you know, he has, uh, he's been a decent corner three shooter and not a good above the break three shooter. So his mid range, kind of that shorter shot, has been one that he's been better on over time. But he was really, really good. If the Jazz can get that as their second unit all season long, that'll be great. And I think he's really, really important to the Quinn Snyder's flexibility of what he does. If Quinn Snyder knows he can get 16 minutes a night behind Emmanuel Moutier every single night, excuse me, behind Mike Conley every single night, it allows him to do a lot of different things. If he can't get that and he has to play Donovan as the backup one for a lot of the minutes, then it changes a good deal of what you can do and also probably wears Donovan out and he might not be as fresh as he was late in the game. So we saw that extension for Quinn Snyder, and I saw you on social media. I saw you on with uh, Dave Fox talking about Quinn Snyder's Hey, thanks for watching, PK. Yeah, okay, yeah. Well, you speak. Okay, I, I tend to gather your information and you know, use it in my own way or use it directly with you. So, yeah, Just steal sure. it. It's, uh, it's not that good. Just steal it. No, but please. Well, it, it have got it, me have, thinking. Wait. I mean, if you think about it, when I say things where I say them, 
it has like a fifth of the audience and if you say them so if they're actually good please use them and let me have some value in your life thank you i know you always have okay. you make me think okay. sometimes you make okay. me smack my head against a wall or other, other times you make me think you know it depends right occasionally you throw up in your mouth yeah i got it yeah. <laughs> so you're talking about quinn snyder's just overall intelligence as a human being. And as I look at this West, it has a potential to be jumbled up. You know, and it has been to an extent. It was last year. You know, there's not much separating uh, three, four teams by just a few games. So my thought for you, and you know Quinn obviously way more than I do. So my thought for you is with this level of intelligence, which he has, which I don't doubt, how much of a difference do you think that can make in terms of translation of winning more ball games because of his coaching acumen and his intelligence and how he sees things? So there's two answers to this. Uh, one is I think overall the coaching in the league is great. Um, because when you watch a team that's not coached well, it's really obvious. Okay. So separate out the three or four teams that don't look like they're coached particularly well. And I think um, that, so you immediately, you know, at that moment, those are obvious, right? Most of the coaches are taking advantage of that. Right. Then I do think there's an element. I mean, I think that the jazz in the Milwaukee box um, and Quinn and Bud have worked together before are playing a game from a money ball standpoint of shot distribution and how they play the game that's leading to as many as seven or eight wins in a year. Like, so a lot. Yeah, They okay. just take a lot better shots and defend. So that's part of that intelligence. Um, the second one is Quinn's ability to use players at their strength. Or even a flip side is to change, start using a player in a way in which they feel that they're being engaged or used where he's actually trying to take away a weakness. Um, you know, five years from now, I'll probably tell this whole story, but there, in the last few years, there's, you know, was a player who had a tendency to do something. And so Quinn wanted to get rid of it as part of the game because it wasn't good. And so instead of don't do this, it was, hey, I want to use you in this way. I think this really matches your skills better. When we come out of this set and you get it this moment, let's do these things that work, you know. And it's just a, such a great way to distribute the message. And so now that player feels even more engaged than ever before because they're being asked to do something differently. And he then is in the media talking to them, the media about this player's skill and how this part of their game is developing so well. And, you know, he's got this guy engaged into doing something when the truth was – the guy was actually doing something else that was really detrimental to the well-being of the team, and Quinn had to get rid of it. And those, those types of just really, you know, that's just coaching, but that's a pretty high level. See, that's, uh, I think that's where the advantage comes in, because when you talk to Quinn and you ask him some questions, you really do get a sense of the intellect, you know? It's like, mm, I think you can talk over my head pretty quickly. Um, but I think that, like, the excellent shot distribution stuff, I think because teams are well-coached and there's lots of assistants and analysts to break that stuff down, you could have an advantage that in the short run, but in the long run, most of the teams will catch up to you. They'll catch on to what you're doing, and they'll start doing it. But the ability to interact with people and get the best out of them, either by getting them to do something that's bad less or to do something that's good more, to build the confidence. And this is distracting because a guy is ripping a hat off PK's head right now, and they're enjoying it a lot because we're on remote in Woods Cross, Murdoch Chevrolet. Uh, oh, you're a Murdoch Chevy. I'm driving a, bla- I'm driving a Murdoch Blazer right now. They're great. See? 
There and actually, it is. I don't know. If, yeah, actually, it was interesting. My son had to drive it for a day, which is always a little bit of a risk. Um, <laughs> just kidding. Um, and he actually, nah. came, yeah, I really like that. It's really solid. I actually, I love this. He says, I was actually going a little too fast because I didn't realize because the car was so quiet. I'm like, great. Let's go get you back in a car that's loud. <laughs> So to get back to the Quinn point, you know, the X's and O's stuff, there is an advantage there to be had when you figure it out, but I don't feel like it has staying power in the long run. But that ability to connect with people and eliminate the bad stuff and get the best out of them, it seems like that's where there's really wins to be had from a coaching perspective. Yeah, I mean, he's really brilliant. He's really brilliant at player management and and actually everyone, not just player, coaches management, broadcaster management, like, you know, um, he he lures us all into being incredibly a part of it and feel very engaged. You feel, you know, you feel like you matter, which is what a coach's job is. Even though if you stop for a second and realize you're calling the games on radio and you don't matter, but he'll actually make you think you do matter. Like just, I felt it like, Oh, wow. You know, and you know, get a thank you for something that really, like, come on, it was irrelevant, but it makes you feel like it's coaching, right? Like he's got all this engaged. Um, and if he's doing it to the lowest guy in the totem pole, then he's certainly doing it to everyone else in, in the process. So it's very impressive. Um, I do think the coaching, I would go a little bit bigger on the coaching. Like, you know, Mike Conley's always getting the ball, going to get a ball, ball coming in the direction that's best for him. Joe Ingles is always coming off the pick and roll with his left hand. Uh, Derek Favors and Joe Ingles worked so well because Derek Favors actually can catch on the pick and roll going one direction and cannot catch it on the pick and roll going the other direction. Um, and that's why Donovan Mitchell and Derek Favors had a terrible pick and roll combination last year because Donovan's coming with the right hand. Derek doesn't catch as well going that direction. Derek catches with his right hand below him, not his left hand below him. And so Quinn used the Derek Favors, Joe Ingles pick and roll because that's what works for both players. With left hand lets Derek roll with his right shoulder going to the baseline. He doesn't roll as well the other way. He and Donovan would run into each other all the time. You know, maybe that's basic, but that's also, not, you know, building your system, you having your system, but then maximizing how your players are using that system. So we saw Mitchell just, just play marvelously in the first game, and, and Conley struggled. The thing that I liked about Conley, though, is that his shots were there, and he took them. Even at 1 for 10, he's taken 1 for 11, 1 for 12. Obviously, over time, those shots are going to fall. My thought for you is Donovan Mitchell specifically, based on what he had on the floor last year, based on what he has on the floor, even though Conley didn't shoot the ball well, and some other guys this year, how much of that was a reflection of the spacing and having to account for these other guys that will allow Mitchell to do what he did in game one more consistently over the next 81 and into the postseason? Uh, I think that's it. I think you hit it. I think that space was there. I mean, they went and hunted out Danilo Gallinari at a very high level. Um, you know, in, interestingly, I was talking to Quinn last night, the play where Donovan gets the dunk on the final play of the half where they went and got Danilo. The players did that on their own. That's that I think also to the, to the brilliance of Quinn is, um, and I thought David, you might've been there the other day when he talked about, we need them to understand why we do things. So they get a bigger, a deeper understanding of how to do them. Do you remember that? Were you there for that? I, I do remember that. I don't know if I was there. I think I saw it on Twitter or something. But anyway, yeah, I know the comment. Really, yeah, yeah. But it was basically... Really interesting comment, right? That, right, like, because he... So basically, he's, deep... Go ahead. No, go. You got it. Well, it was just basically he was saying that you can't hold their hand and get them to every situation. They have to recognize it so they just seize it in the moment. 
Right. And so his point is they got to understand what we're trying to do both offensively and defensively, what our principles are, what, what our goals are. Then they can figure out how to do it. He, you know, Quinn's a big believer in the brilliance of the players. So that was a good example where the guys knew, all right, here's our principles. They cleared that side. They cleared that side and then had Danilo be the one who had to switch on Donovan and Donovan blows by him for a dunk. And then late in the game, the Jazz just hunted out Danilo Gallinari and almost, you know, like if there was a, if it was grade school, the principals involved, it was bad um, to the point where they had to pull him. And Donovan just had so much space to be able to work in a manner that he just didn't used to have because um, Rubio and Crowder weren't being guarded in those circumstances. And so that was really obvious and different. And so what we're going to see, I think here very shortly is Donovan's going to clear out and find whoever he wants to go after. I don't know who that would be tonight. They have a pretty good group um, unless Avery Bradley's really gotten slow. Uh, and then, there, someone's going to sag in, and so is Donovan at a stage where he can make the right read to make the pass, and does Boyan or Mike or Joe knock down the shot? And that'll be that'll be the next step in this process, is that when someone takes away that space because Donovan's too darn good, can they make a can they make the right play out of it? And they generally did the other night, and it was pretty interesting. Uh, we're almost out of time here, but is the defense going to be as, a good, as good as it was, 38%, 95 points? Maybe not that good, but is it going to be close to that, or was that game an outlier? No, I mean, I think it'll be good. I think Oklahoma City might um, not be a very good offensive team. Here's the difference between preseason and regular season. Preseason, the Utah Jazz go through their shoot-around and say, hey, here's what they run, and they just prepare them. And in the regular season, they say, here's what they run, and here's how we're not going to let them get it. And so Danilo Gallinari's main play for Oklahoma City, he's on the baseline, and it's a double stagger kind of pinned down for him, and they'll run a bunch of actions on it. And you just didn't see it once the whole game. You just didn't see it, maybe once. Out of the timeout, they ran a variation of it and got him a three from the top. Otherwise, you just didn't see it. And that's because the Jazz were defending it great, and they had a plan, they knew exactly what to do, and they took it away. And that's, and that's the difference between preseason and regular season. David, we appreciate it. Thanks for a few minutes. Thanks, guys. All right. You'll hear David Locke on the call tonight. It's the Jazz and the Lakers, 830 tip. The game's on ESPN, and it's right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.